0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Contentment is found when you're happy to do things without having to overdo things. That's the character of Jesus, and that's the character Jesus wants to see in people that are committed to following him. He calls them his disciples. And he calls us, just like he called his original, to follow him, to sit at his feet and take in his lessons and apply them, to make the commitment to follow him and make him leader rabbi, to the people that claim him and follow what he says. He wants his disciples, his learners, to be content in his love to sit back and say, man, I could take and drink this in his love, his compassion, rather than depend on their abilities and themselves. If you would, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, as we read verses 1 through 5. That's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after He had sat down, His disciples came to Him. He opened His mouth, and He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth." That idea of gentleness or meekness, depending on what passage or what translation of scripture you're reading, is often misunderstood. We think meekness as somebody who's uh, mild um, or maybe even like a sissy, somebody that's just uh, really easygoing and gets taken advantage of. Um, But this third beatitude, it completely puzzles people for some reason. Especially people that are like in the workplace. In part because they don't understand what it means to be meek. What it means to be gentle. Many assume the term means to be weak. Many people think that to be gentle means you're being taken advantage of. That you're overly uh, deficient in courage. But that's not what it means at all. The biblical understanding of meekness is power under control. That's power under control. In the Old Testament, Moses was described as the meekest man on earth in Numbers 12 verse 3. The meekest man on earth. Think about that. Uh, The meekest man on earth that was so big and strong he could smack a rock and water would come out. The meekest man on earth that Scripture says, when he saw a Egyptian taking advantage of a Hebrew, he struck a blow that killed the Egyptian. That doesn't sound like somebody that's easily taken advantage of. That sounds like somebody that has power under control. And who did he decide to give control over to? Yahweh. So, what does meekness mean? The original word in this passage... Uh, Gentle, as we have it translated here. It's the word Prias And it comes from the Greek word that means um, a wild horse, like a wild horse that has become tamed or obedient to a bit and a bridle. It's bridled strength. I want you to think about it that way. That word gentle means that you have bridled strength, tamed strength, strength under control. Moses could have asserted his strength with uh, Israel, couldn't he? Uh, Moses, he was a strong man, and he could have imposed his own will at times when the Israelites weren't paying attention and listening. But he had bridled strength. He had strength under control. David was the same way. In 2 2 Samuel chapter 16, Shimei is cursing at David, and he's calling David all these nasty names, and David was king. David could have had that man's head taken from his shoulders. But what did David say? He said, well, I don't know if this man was sent by God to correct me. He's like, just show him grace. Show him mercy. I'm not going to use my power to overtake this man. You see, that is bridled strength. I could do this, but I don't need to. There's nothing wimpy about being gentle, about being meek. The strongest people in scripture are counted on as meek, as gentle, as mild. And Jesus said, they will inherit the earth. The meek aren't looking for gain. The gentle aren't looking for fame. And they aren't looking for power. Why? Because they already have it. And they have it under the control of Jesus Christ. They're blessed because they have bridled power, tamed power under the control of Jesus. Their influence and their gains are all given up to the Lord. The meek are happy because they don't feel out of control. The meek are content because they know that they have handed things over to Christ. And that's what a disciple does. They give their power under God's control. There's two things that happen when you put your power under God's control. You have a refusal to inflate yourself above other people. There's a a refusal to inflate yourself under your own estimation, under your own ideas. Number two, there's a, uh, a, a resistance to assert yourself over someone else. You don't want to overly take control over people. Paul captures this totally perfectly. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Right there is tamed power, control given to someone else, complete strength. That's harnessed for the good of Christ. A meek person, a gentle person is sound in their judgment and in their power. They don't lose control. A meek person, a gentle person thinks of how they can lift and build others and aid others. This passage in Romans chapter 12 leads into how we are the body and being part of the body of Christ, we're the hands, the feet, the mind, the actions. The church is not just one person, but everyone ministering to one another, building one another up. Helping one another, taming their power for the common good, lifting others up for the common good. That's what it means to not think too highly of yourself, but to think of others. To be gentle means that you've placed yourself at the feet of Jesus. Under his teaching, under his guidance, under his control, under his yoke. Discipleship has long been a Jewish and rabbinical approach to training since the beginning of the law. Um, Aaron trained his sons in Leviticus chapter 8. He didn't train them too well, but he did. When an individual became a pupil to a rabbi, it was said that they took the yoke of the rabbi's interpretation of the Old Testament, that the rabbi would teach them exactly how to apply God's law to their life and their own interpretation of what to do to, in the law. Acts chapter 15 verse 10 talks about this. So a yoke was the interpretation of the law placed on the shoulders of a disciple. Jesus condemned the modern rabbis in his day because they exasperated their pupils. They overwhelmed them with rules. They overwhelmed them with traditions. They overwhelmed them with interpretations of what God's law truly was. Because at the heart of God's law was love God and love others. In fact, in Matthew Chapter 23, verse 4 Jesus says, You guys are overbearing people with your yoke, and it's like slavery. You know, it's estimated there are 613 laws for the Jewish people to maintain and continue laws of sacrifice, laws of interaction. The laws of Moses and all the different laws, there's 613 of them. And it's believed that each rabbi has about 15 different ways to interpret each one of those 613 laws. You could see why it was a yoke. A yoke is what would be placed on oxen to plow a field, it was an immense. A wooden plank so they would be able to pull the plow behind with ropes tied to the plank it was cumbersome it was burdensome it was heavy and Jesus saying is that's what your rules your interpretation of the relationship that God wants to have with people it's cumbersome it's a yoke it's burdensome Jesus said not to follow these. Don't follow man's interpretation for a relationship. It was unfair. Matthew 23, verses 6 to 14, he he describes this, that, that the Pharisees put these unfair burdens, these unfair yokes on people. Jesus described these as As heavy burdens on the shoulders of men. Yet, when it came to his own teaching. When it came to himself. Listen to what he says in Matthew 11 verse 30. In Matthew 11 verse 30. He says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. He's saying, listen, my true interpretation of law. Is easy. Easy weightless. It's light. His call, he says here, is to realize that you need to release yourself of the rabbi's unobtainable teaching. Matthew verse 11, uh, chapter 11 verse 28, he says, listen, release the yoke you carry. Give it to me. And that's what we truly do. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we release the yoke of works for salvation. We release the yoke of uh, you know having to obtain salvation for ourselves. And we get the free gift of eternal life. We get the free gift, the burdenless yoke, That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying there is no way you could fulfill 613 laws to get close to God. That yoke is too heavy and that burden is too giant to bear. You'll fall down on your face every time if you think that you can obtain salvation on your own. But listen to what he says in verse 29 of Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I love what he says next. That's Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. If you're following, he says, For I am gentle and humble, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30: For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus describes himself in this passage in the same way he says he wants his disciples to choose an attitude of grace. He says, Listen, I want my disciples to be known as gentle. Is mild, is bridled power because they've been learning from me. They've taken my yoke of the free gift of eternal life, my yoke of interpretation of law, my teaching is what they put at the forefront of their life. And what is that teaching? Well, Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 33, that the greatest thing of any sacrifice that we could give, the the best thing other than any burnt offering or oath or ritual, He said, my interpretation of love is to love God and to love others. This was the summary. This was the, the, the fulfillment of the law, Jesus was saying. All 613 laws are fulfilled in loving God and loving others. That's why he's saying it's light. The burden of the master teacher is to love God and love others. What a great thought. When you do that, you become bridled power and strength. You're gentle and humble at heart. Your strength under God's control. The, the Pharisees interpreted the law as rules, as regulations, and what it did is it caused a separation from people and God. It signaled out the elite. It signaled out people that were holy thinkers. Jesus said, the law is love. The law is meekness. The law is bridled power. It's strength under God's control. I love how the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13 puts it. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. And the Apostle Paul, who at one time was a Pharisee, um, the the Apostle Paul who sat under the feet of Gamaliel, one of the head rabbis of his time, the Apostle Paul, who when he was called Saul of Tarsus, at one time was a persecutor of the church of Christians. In Romans chapter 13, he says this, verse 8, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. When you love others, you're fulfilling the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. The yoke is love. And that is easy and light. We have been given... The opportunity to put ourselves under the master's feet to take his yoke, which is gentle and light. He says, look, you don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to try to earn it or deserve it because I give it to you for free. And if you want to be my disciple, I'm going to give you the summation. I'm going to give you all the the cheat sheet of how to apply the law to your life. Love God and love others. At the center of Christ's heart was gentleness and love. At the center of his teaching was love. For those that have learned to be controlled by love. To those that have learned to put what they do under the command of love. Because of his love. To those who have taken Jesus' gentle and meek and loving teaching. His yoke and put it on. Because they've become his disciple. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who've taken my yoke of love. Blessed are those who have taken my interpretation, my application of the law. Jesus was sick of what the Pharisees were doing. They were looking at the law of Moses and they're separating themselves from people. God has a heart for people. Jesus wanted to come around those that were sick and hurting and, and needed nurturing and loving. He wanted to be around those that needed him most. Pharisees questioned that. He said, it's not Those that are well, that need a physician, it is those who are sick. The meek, the gentle, the mild. Those that are bridled power will inherit the earth. Those who commit their way to him and his love, his way of gentleness. His application, which is the heart of love, loving God and loving others. He says, I'm going to give them the kingdom when it comes to this earth. We tend to think of the kingdom of heaven as heaven, don't we? A lot of times we think of it that way. But this is a completely different place than streets paved as gold. This is different than gates that are pearly. This is different than the mansions on the hilltops. From anything that we know here, it's a place physically here on earth. In fact, Scripture describes it as being in the Jerusalem and and being set up in the area of Israel. The kingdom is the kingdom that will crush all kingdoms, is what Daniel chapter 2 verses 44 and 45 says. It's the kingdom that will make all people and all tribes and all nations part of that kingdom. According to Daniel chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, it will be filled with the young and the old, and the old will be so old that scripture says they will need canes to walk. (laughs) That's in Zechariah 8, verses 1 through 8. And it will be led by those who have remained faithful to the teaching of Jesus Christ, it will be for those who are his disciples. To inherit that kingdom. It doesn't mean that those that uh, fell off in their belief aren't saved. It, it doesn't say that you're going to lose your salvation if you didn't commit to be his disciple. I mean, the story of the prodigal son completely contradicts that sort of teaching that you can lose your salvation because what does the father do? He embraces the son after he was unclean, Spiritually, after he had completely rejected the father physically, what does the father do? He runs and embraces his son. So in the kingdom, the inheritors are those who have committed their way to being disciples of his. The kingdom is full of Christians, but those that are reigning with him are those who have committed their way to being disciples of Jesus Christ. Scripture says it lasts for a thousand years. And that Jesus will sit on the throne of David. You see, that is the kingdom of earth that Jesus is saying. That the meek will inherit. It's not a power that they have right now, you see. It's not a power that we have at this very moment. It's a future power and a future kingdom that is coming and it will come, brothers and sisters. And don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be inheritors, joint heirs with Jesus of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, as Hebrews says? Listen, heaven is a gift. It's a free gift. And I know that sounds like a, a, you know, oxymoronic statement or or whatever, however you say it. Uh, Because free and gift mean the same thing. But it is. I'm emphasizing the point that it is free. It costs you nothing. Because Jesus paid your way to heaven. He died for every sin that you've ever committed and ever will commit. He died and rose again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 4 lets us know that he died according to scriptures. He was buried according to scriptures, and he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. That's why I love the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it says, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is swallowed up in the victory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Heaven is a free gift because it was purchased For you by Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And it's to anyone that would believe. John 3.16 lets us know that God so loved the world. The world is everybody that is in the world. So heaven is a free gift to those who believe. But the kingdom, the kingdom in scripture, as described in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, is a reward to those who follow His word, His teaching, that have taken His yoke of love. The gentle, the meek, will inherit the kingdom. The rule of the future kingdom, the reign of the millennium, are for those who have put their power meekly and gently under the feet of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, church, let us all crowd around the feet of Jesus. Let us all want to be subject to him and his guidance. Let us all want to be disciples, to be learners, and applying his teaching and his law of love to our life come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest the rest that he's saying i'm giving you is the rest from your work of plowing that heavy law of work for salvation of work when the answer is his love he says i want you to be gentle Just like I'm gentle and humble at heart. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Content. Content. is the one that bridles their power under the rule of Jesus. Because they will inherit the kingdom when it comes to earth. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, let's end in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for being a wonderful and awesome God. I thank you for the truths of your word, Lord. I thank you for doing what I couldn't do. Fulfilling the law. You said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Lord, you came to die and apply the law of love. You died for us. So we wouldn't have to try to earn salvation. That we wouldn't have to do anything for it. And you tell us to believe. John 6, 47. You said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. That's a promise of the moment we believe, we have it. We have eternal life. We have forgiveness of sin. We have forgiveness of all wrongs we've ever done and ever will do. So Lord, help us to drop down the work that people try to do for salvation. That as you told the Pharisees, it's an unfair, unattainable thing. Help us to believe what you did for us. And Lord, I pray that we would long to sit at your feet and learn from you. Because Lord, there's a moment that we believe, but we also have to answer the call to follow. It's not a call to follow that gets us salvation or extra salvation or anything like that. It's a commitment commitment to love you the way you deserve to be loved and deepen our relationship to become learners for a lifetime at your feet Lord help us to put you in control to be bridled power to be gentle and humble at heart because gentleness those who are bridled in their power will inherit the kingdom. We love you, Lord, and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Join me in singing uh, Alabaster, excuse me, the song
1: Alabaster. I am broken at your feet Like an alabaster jar. Every piece of who I am Lay before your majesty And I will bow my life At your feet At your feet My lips so lost for words will kiss your feet kiss your feet yeah i am broken at your feet like an alabaster jaw every piece of who i am lay before your majesty and i will bow my life at your feet at your feet my lips so lost for words will kiss your feet kiss your feet
0: Such beauty in those words. Because just like the woman who came to the Lord and broke the alabaster jar, and began to soak his feet with a mixture of the beautiful perfume and her tears, and she used what little glory she had with her hair, and began to wipe his feet off, kissing them. That was her offering. We can bring whatever we can to him. And if we really look back at it, God's given us everything we have. It's the one thing he's asking for is us. So brothers and sisters, give yourself to him, be his disciple, commit to follow him. Let's continue to sing, Father, I adore you.
1: Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. Jesus, I adore you. And I lay my life before you, how I love you. Spirit, I adore you, and I lay my life before you, how I love you. made the
0: decision to follow Jesus. It's not a requirement for salvation, as we've already been stressing and saying. Jesus said salvation is a free gift of eternal life that I bought with the great price of my life on the cross of Calvary. But we have to make that decision of taking our relationship deeper as followers of Jesus Christ. Of answering that call to follow Him. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.